morning. It's good to see everyone this morning. It's good to see our guests this morning, especially family members that uh, are here for the dedication. We're, We're so glad to have you join with us for worship today. Today is Sanctity of Life Sunday, and that's one reason we want to do our dedications today. There are churches across our nation that today are recognizing the sanctity of life, that all life was made and created in the image of God and is valuable uh, because of the worth that God has given us. And we, we live in a land that um, does not value the sanctity of life in so many ways. And, and so today, as we pray one more time, we want to thank God for the gift of life and we want to pray for his uh, help to be lights in this world as his church. And so pray with me one more time before we open the word today. Father, we come to you and and have already been able to enjoy worshiping you together so much through um, dedicating our children to you and committing together to raise them to uh, follow Christ. Lord, we um, are reminded of all the spiritual blessings that we've been given in Christ, and and especially, Lord, the, the blessing of forgiveness. Lord, we were dead. And you, by your grace, have made us alive through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. He died for our sins, and he rose again to glorious, eternal life. And in him, you make us alive, Lord. We we praise you for the gift of your Son. We praise you for the gift of forgiveness. And we praise you for the gift of eternal life. This is the world's greatest need, Lord, is life with you. We, we look at the news, we see what's going on, and, and we're tempted to be drawn to meet other needs, and we want to meet these needs, but help us to not forget, Lord, that, that our greatest need is that we are separated from you, and left to ourselves, we face eternity apart from you. And so, Lord, we want to pray right now that you would help us as your church to be a light in this world that points people to life in Christ, and that we would do this by the way that we value physical life here and now, or that we would show that your word is true and that you have made every man and woman in your image as your special creatures to have a relationship with you, to know and glorify and enjoy you forever. Everyone, Lord. Help us to show that, Lord. We pray that you would give your church grace to be a light when it comes to abortion, to be a light when it comes to racism, to be a light when it comes to end-of-life issues, to be a light when it comes to the ways that we devalue life, Lord, and that we would show, Lord, that because of you and because of who you are and what you've done, that every life is valuable. And truly, Lord, you call every man and woman to yourself. Lord, you invite each to come, repent of their sins, and find eternal life in you. Lord, help us, even as we pray to be a light in this world, to to ultimately shine light on that deepest need. Jesus, you are life, and we praise you that we have found life in you. God, we, we pray now as we open your word that you would shine light on our lives. Lord, we pray that you would Soften our hearts right now. We pray that you would enlarge them to receive your truth. Lord, help us to receive your word as what it is, the the very word of God, breathed out by your spirit, 
for our good and for our instruction and for our growth and for our salvation, Lord. We pray you be glorified through this time. We pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to say a word, and I want you to think about what your response is to this word. Predestination. Predestination. How do you respond when you hear that word? Maybe some of you would say, I respond in ignorance. I I don't know what that word is referring to. And so if you don't know, then today we will see what that word is referring to. Maybe some of you respond, you, you hear predestination, you respond with confusion. You, you, you don't understand what the Bible says about predestination. You know it talks about it, but you, you, you're just confused by the subject. Now take it a step further, maybe some of you respond with passivity. You, you don't really want to understand. You know that Jesus saves us, and, and you can leave that sort of stuff to the theologians to, to figure out. Maybe some of you would say, I, I reject that doctrine. You, you don't believe in predestination as, as you've heard it taught. Maybe some of you would respond with pride when you hear that word. You, you actually look down on those who don't believe, or you look down on those who don't understand seen all of these, maybe I could even say I've experienced for myself all of these responses to this word, to this doctrine, to this subject in the Bible of predestination and election and God's choosing. But here is how the Apostle Paul responded to the subject of predestination. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's how Paul responded when he thought of predestination. That's how Paul responded when he thought of election, with worship and praise to God. You can open your Bibles to Ephesians 1. We are in a new series of the book of Ephesians called One in Christ. And last week we began looking at this first major section of the letter in which Paul gives extended praise to God for all of his blessings in Christ. We, we just at verse 3 last week, and we saw that, that in Christ, God has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. And the next three weeks, we're going to be looking at some of those blessings specifically as Paul outlines them. What are these blessings that God has given to us? And the first specific blessing that Paul praises God for, out of all the blessings he's given us in Christ, is the blessing of God's election. Is the blessing of God's election. What, what is election? What is the doctrine of election? Put, put simply, election is the teaching that God sovereignly chooses who he will save out of fallen humanity. Election is the teaching that God sovereignly chooses who he will save out of fallen humanity. It is without a doubt a mysterious doctrine? Because the Bible also teaches that we are each responsible before God to respond to his offer of salvation. So it is a mysterious doctrine, and and no one should hold to this doctrine without sensing some of that mystery and some of that tension in Scripture. 
there are things that we can't quite put together, but we want to receive and accept them. But at the same time, passages like the one that we're looking at this morning do show us that it is a true doctrine. This doctrine did not originate with a French reformer in the 1500s. It was plainly revealed in Scripture. And the question that I want to ask this morning is, is why? You know, God does not reveal everything he could reveal to us in his word. The book of Deuteronomy tells us that, that there are things hidden which belong to God, but the things revealed belong to us and to our children forever. The doctrine of election belongs in those things that are revealed. Why does God reveal to us that he has elected us? Why does God reveal to us that he has chosen us? I believe there's one primary reason that God reveals this to us, and it is to deepen our worship of him. It is to deepen our worship of him, to deepen our joy in him. My hope and prayer this morning as we look at the blessing of election is that by the end of this message, we will be ready to proclaim with Paul, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ because he has chosen us. That is why God has revealed this to us. And I want to say before we go any further that that I'm preaching as one who has, who has gone all the way from there to there and back and back again on this issue. I, I've been all over the map in my life on trying to understand what God's Word says on these things. It, like I said, it's mysterious. It, it is not um, easy doctrines to understand. There, there will be a sense, even as we consider it, of, of questions that we have. But what we want to do is, is hear what God has said and submit to the truth as it's revealed, and leave those questions and leave those mysteries in trust to the Lord, knowing that He is good, He is righteous, and He is gracious. He's revealed this to us so that we would deepen our worship of Him. So this morning I want to look at four truths about the blessing of election that should deepen our worship of God. Four truths about the blessing of election that should deepen our worship of God. And the first truth is this, God chose us in eternity past. God chose us in eternity past. Let's read the whole passage together, and then we will dive in on this first point. Start in verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. God chose us in eternity past. Paul says in verse 4, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world. This phrase, the foundation of the world, is referring to the creation story. It's referring to when God created the world. When you build a house, what do you do? You lay the foundation first. So this verse pictures God as the builder of the heavens and the earth. And the very first thing he did was he laid the foundation. Creation is where the whole Bible begins. The very first act of God we see in Scripture is Genesis 1.1. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But this verse is telling us, that God did something before Genesis 1-1. God did something before creation. 
And what is it that God did? He chose us in him before the foundation of the earth. God chose us to be saved, and then he created the heavens and the earth. You also see in verse 5 the word predestined. In love, he predestined us. He predestined us. Just the word itself tells us what it means. This is what the word predestined in verse 5 is getting at. God predetermined our destiny. So it means to be predestined. God predetermined our destiny. He decided beforehand what was going to happen to us. He decided beforehand to save us. But before what? Before anything, before time itself, that this, this phrase in eternity past is, is really something that we, we just say that we cannot even begin to wrap our minds around it. God created time itself, but before time began, God in, in his own mind predetermined to save us. Our destiny was predetermined. We were chosen by him. And there's an implication to all of this, isn't there? It means that we had nothing to do with it. We had nothing to do with it. If you are a follower of Christ, it is because God chose you to be a follower of Christ before he created the world. Now you might say, but I chose to be a Christian. I mean, I have decided to follow Jesus, right? Like we, we chose, we decided. Think about the disciples. J- Jesus called them to leave everything and follow him. And they made the decision to do so, didn't they? They left their nets, and they left their family, and they followed him. But what did Jesus say to them the night he was betrayed? In John 15, 16, he said to them, You did not choose me, but I chose you. And and this is the case with every disciple. If you have made a decision to follow Christ in time, understand this morning that it is because God chose you in Christ before creation itself. He predestined you in eternity past. You did not choose him. He chose you. Now, there also may be someone here this morning who has not come to Christ. You may be wondering, how do I know if God chose me? You know by your response to his call. In John 6, Jesus said, No one can come to the Father unless the Father who sent me draws him. No one can come unless the Father who sent me draws him. It's not possible to come to God unless God himself draws you. But then Jesus turns right around and he promises, Whoever believes in me has eternal life. Believe in me. So he says, No one can come unless the Father draws him. But then he says, Believe in me. Come to me. Jesus says both at once in the same exact passage. You cannot choose Christ on your own, but at the same time, Jesus calls you today to believe in him. As the Father draws you by his grace, Jesus calls you to make an in-time decision to leave your sin behind, to trust in his death on the cross for you, and to live for him alone. So, so, So yes, we'd say choose Christ Choose Christ this morning. Follow him. Decide to follow Jesus. But you can know, even as you do that, the unbelievable truth that you're doing that because God himself has chosen you. Not because you have something to boast. Not because you're making a decision that someone else is not making because you're wiser or smarter or more godly than they are, but because God has drawn you. So if you are feeling drawn to Christ this morning, that is God who is drawing you. And Jesus is calling you, come to me. 
Come to me and have eternal life. So yes, choose Christ, but know in choosing that God has chosen you. God chose us in eternity past. Chose us for what, though? He chose us, but what did he choose us for? And this leads to the second point. God chose us for a glorious future. God chose us for a glorious future. Look at what he says in verse 4. He chose us in him before the foundation of the world that we should be holy and blameless before him. This is the goal of God in choosing us, our holiness before him. To be holy and blameless is to be set apart from sin internally and externally, inside and out. The phrase represents a complete state of purity. And God chose us so that one day we will be completely rid of the very presence of sin. We will be made as he made us to be. And we won't be holy and on our own either. We will be holy before him. We will be holy in the presence of his holiness. This phrase, before him, it looks forward to the moment that we stand literally in the very presence of God. When Christ returns, as we stand, we stand before him as our judge at the end of the age. We will be literally before him, and our lives and our hearts will be exposed in his presence. And what Paul is saying is that God chose us to be those who will stand before his holiness on that day. Now, of course, this isn't because we will have reached a state of absolute holiness ourselves. It is because God himself will make us holy. He will glorify us. He will make us like Christ so that we can stand in his holy presence. And so far, you get this picture in your mind. You get this picture that in eternity past, as far back as you can think, God chose you so that in eternity future, you can stand before his presence. Before he created the world, God chose you to stand at the end of the age in his presence. That's what God has done for us. But it gets even better. Not only did God choose for us to be made holy before him, look what he says in verse 5. He says, In love he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. God did not just choose us to be glorified as creatures in the presence of the Creator. God chose us to be brought into his own family through Adoption. To be adopted means that God has given us the full rights and status of his children. It means that we are heirs in his house, and it means that we can call on him as Abba, Father. It denotes the most personal relationship that we could have with God, children to a father. This is something we already get to experience now, the moment we come to Christ, but it's also a future reality that we'll experience in fullness when Christ returns. And and, and this this takes everything so much higher and further, doesn't it? Listen to what J.I. Packer says about adoption. Adoption is the highest privilege that the gospel offers, higher even than justification. To be right with God the judge is a great thing, but to be loved and cared for by God the Father is greater. This is what God chose us for in eternity past. Not just to be made righteous before His holiness, but to be made children within His family. This is the glorious future of those God has chosen. 
This is what God has chosen us for, to be made holy before his holiness and to be made children in his family. He chose us in eternity past. He chose us for a glorious future. And next, Paul tells us the heart of God in choosing us. God chose us with delight. God chose us with delight. Again, look at the end of verse 4. In love, he predestined us. In love, he predestined us. What was the heart of God in eternity past when he was predetermining our destiny? It was a heart full of love. He did it in love. Now, some of your translations may place in love at the end of the phrase, holy and blameless before him, in which case in love would refer to another aspect of our being glorified, our love for God. And it's not entirely clear where it belongs because this is actually one long sentence in Greek, all the way down through verse 14. It's just one long sentence. And so it's not clear exactly what it modifies. But, but I lean toward the ESV's choice to say that in love modifies predestined because theologically the act of adoption is meant to communicate to us the love of God. Compare it with 1 John 3.1. There John says, See what kind of love the Father has given to us that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The, The act of God in making us children is an act of love to us. It is an act of love. Think about fathers with their children. The, the, the way that, that a grown man all of a sudden has this little baby just wrapped around their finger. And, and, and there's just delight and, and affection and joy in that child. This is the relationship that God chooses to bring us in. He is the perfect father with the perfect love. And when God chose to adopt us into his family, he did it in perfect fatherly love for us. It was not an unfeeling legal transaction. It was with a heart that delighted in the relationship he was bringing us into. He chose us in love. And also, Paul says at the end of verse 5, according to the purpose of his will. He chose us according to the purpose of his will. Now, now this phrase again explains the heart of God, the motivation of God in choosing us. The will of God refers to his sovereign freedom to do whatever he decides. And the word purpose refers to what pleases him. So to paraphrase what Paul's saying in this verse, he's telling us that God chose us because he wanted to choose us. He predestined us according to his good pleasure. He loved us because he loved us. There was no outside force compelling God to do this. He was not obligated to do this. We we know there was nothing inherently in us that drew him to do this. He chose us because he wanted to choose us. He loved us because it pleased him to love us. When we think of God choosing us, when when we think of God predestining us, here's how one commentator helps us think rightly. It's not a grim Lord watching over the execution of his predetermined plan, but a smiling father who enjoys imparting his riches to many children. This is the, the heart of God, delighting to choose you, delighting to adopt you, taking joy in bringing you into his family. He chose us in eternity past for a glorious future with delight. Now, finally, on what basis did he do this? Number four, God chose us through his grace in Christ. He chose us through his grace 
in Christ. Look at verse 4. He chose us in Him. He chose us in Him. So when God chose us in eternity past, He didn't choose us as we were left to ourselves. He chose us as those who would be united to Christ in His sinless life, sacrificial death, and powerful resurrection. Again, look at the next phrase, that He adopted us to Himself as sons through Jesus Christ. When God predestined us for adoption to Himself, He determined that the adoption would take place on the basis of the person and work of His own Son, Jesus Christ. Then look at the final verse, verse 6, to the praise of His glorious grace with which He has blessed us in the Beloved. God's election of us in eternity past was on the basis of the grace that He would extend to us in sending His Beloved Son. He chose us in eternity past, but He chose us knowing that one day He would send His Son to die on a cross for our sins so that we could be chosen. It means that just as we were chosen before creation, so also the cross was planned before creation. The cross was planned before creation. It was not plan B after the fall. It was plan A. God chose a people for himself who would be saved on the basis of the work of his son. And how else could God have chosen us? How else could he have righteously done this? He knew what we would be. He knew we would reject him for false gods. He knew that we would exchange him for created things. He knew we would rebel against him. What we deserved from God was wrath, not glory, punishment, not adoption. But he chose us for these things beforehand on the basis of the work Christ would accomplish in dying for our sins and rising again. And this is his glorious grace. Grace, God's grace is not just God brushing our sins under the rug, looking the other way. No, God's grace is His making payment for our sins at the cost of His beloved Son so that we can be forgiven and accepted into His family. This is His glorious grace. God chose us in eternity past for a glorious future with delight through His grace in Christ. And this is what drove Paul to proclaim, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if we're going to respond this morning in worship with Paul, if we're going to say with Paul, Blessed be God who has chosen us, then there are two things that need to be happening in our hearts right now. Two things that need to be happening as we consider the blessing of election. First, we need to be humbled right now. We need to be humbled. The blessing of election should supremely humble us because it teaches us that we did nothing to earn our salvation, that we didn't deserve our salvation, and that we only chose Christ because he first chose us. If he chose us in eternity past, that means we contributed nothing. And if he chose us on the basis of the death of Christ, and that means that all we deserved left to ourselves was wrath. And we can't even boast in the fact that we made a decision to believe in Christ because we realize that it was only by God's grace that we made that decision. We have nothing to boast in. We have nothing to stand on. Election means that it was all of God and nothing of us. Listen to the humility of Charles Spurgeon what he said about election. He said, I believe in the doctrine of election because I'm quite sure 
that if God had not chosen me, I should never have chosen him. And I'm sure he chose me before I was born, or else he never would have chosen me afterwards. And he must have elected me for reasons unknown to me, for I can never find in myself any reason why he should have looked upon me with special love. This is the humility election should produce in us. So this morning, humble yourself before the Lord. Say to him, I am yours because you chose me to be yours. I did not choose you. I never would have chosen you. I didn't deserve to be chosen, but you chose me. Thank you for your love and grace in choosing me. The doctrine of election should humble us, but not only should it humble us, it should thrill us. This should thrill us. Be thrilled this morning, church. The doctrine of election should thrill our hearts because of what God has chosen us to, to live in his holy presence without the presence of sin in our own lives, to know his perfect fatherly love as his adopted children, to enjoy his glory forever and ever. This is the destiny that God has predetermined for us in choosing us. It's a destiny we never could have hoped to attain on our own, but it is ours because of God's great grace in Christ. It's ours because in love, God chose for it to be ours and sent his son to make it ours through his death on the cross. So we should be thrilled by this. And if these things don't thrill your heart, then you are missing it completely this morning. If, if being holy before God's holiness and if being adopted into God's family and if praising God's glorious grace does not thrill your heart, then you are finding your satisfaction in this world where you will never truly be satisfied. Believing in election is not necessary to be a Christian. Be a Christian, you believe in Jesus. You believe he died for your sins and he rose again and that his death was sufficient to pay for your sins and he's coming again. These are the things that make us a Christian. But to not believe in what God has spoken will affect your joy as a Christian. Because look at what God has saved us to. Look at what God has done. Look at our future, because he's chosen us. Set your mind on things above this morning. See the blessings that God has chosen you for. Pray for God to enable your heart to grasp the greatness of these things. I've just been praying for the last two weeks as I've looked at these verses, enlarge our hearts, oh God, enlarge our hearts, because they're so small to take these things in. But I know there's, there's more joy to be had if we would. If our hearts would enlarge a little bit so that we could be a little more humble and a little more thrilled for what God has done in the blessing of election, then, then we would more and more say with Paul, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, just bursting out spontaneous praise. Blessed be God because he chose us. When's the last time you said that to yourself? When's the last time you said that to God? God, praise your name for choosing me. This morning, embrace these truths and let them well up in your heart to the point of pouring out praise to the God who chose you in eternity past for a glorious future with delight through his grace in Christ. Let's pray. Father, we come to you right now and we want to humble ourselves. 
we want to recognize, Lord, that left to ourselves, we had no hope and we didn't deserve any blessings. Lord, we are such entitled people who think that we deserve so much more than we do, but truly all we have earned is wrath. All we have earned is hell. And yet, God, in your marvelous grace, you chose us. We would never have chosen you, but you chose us. You did for us what we never could have done for ourselves, and and, and you made it possible by sending your Son to die for us. And this is the Son that we get to gaze upon his glory forever and ever. Lord, we, we are both humbled and we are thrilled this morning because of what you've chosen us to, that, that though we didn't deserve it, you have chosen us to be before your presence forever, holy as you are holy. And at the same time, not, not just creatures before creator, but sons before our father, daughters before our father. Lord, you have brought us all the way in forever. And and we cannot say right now, we cannot wrap our minds around right now what it will be, but we know it will be glorious, and we know it's all because of your grace to us. And so we praise your grace this morning. We thank you for revealing to us that our salvation was not because of us, but because of you. And we pray right now that you would help us to return praise to you for all you've done for us. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.